Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. The only thing better than grinding all night for your side hustle is your roommate picking you up with Mickey D's breakfast. The perfect pickup deal. There's a deal for every morning at McDonald's. Right now, taste breakfast perfection when you get a warm and savory sausage McMuffin with egg for just $2.50. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. Welcome to the Revisit, no encore's journey deep into the annals of Irish music. My name is Colm O'Regan. For the next hour or so, I will be your guide uh, as we explore five Irish albums from a year long gone by. Uh, now, dear listener, we shall not be making uh, this adventure alone because joining me in studio are three guests who've uh, fired up their flux capacitors and travelled back with me. Uh, so, introducing, first of all, a multi-instrumentalist uh, with Planet Parade, who dropped their uh, debut album Mercury not so long ago, Andy Lloyd. How are you? How's it going? Very well, thank you. Uh, Another multi-instrumentalist, a singer-songwriter, producer, broadcaster, yes, all that, but can he cook? It's Gavin Glass. I can cook. Hey, Colm, how are you doing? Thanks for having me on. Of course. me a (laughs) (laughs) multi-instrumentalist. And that voice, well, of course he is a multi-instrumentalist. He is a one quarter of the Delorentos, but around these parts he's known as the brain behind the revisit. As always, Kieran McGuinness. Hello there. 1981 is our year in question this year. Yeah. Um, that's a long time ago. It is a long time ago. Um, so First-hand <laughs> memories are not going to form a no. large basis of this no. podcast. I was at the Paul Brady gig in the point. No, I wasn't. No, I, I, <laughs> that isn't going to happen too much. But I will say that um, it was the year that Ronald Reagan was sworn in and was also uh, there was an assassination attempt on him. You know, we had Paul, Pope John Paul II assassination attempt on him. Charles and Di got engaged and married in 1981. No assassination attempts on them. Uh, MTV started. IBM did their first PC. Um, films that were out, Empire Strikes Back, Elephant Man. Uh, fame was a year of fame. You know, leg warmers and all that. Uh, <laughs> uh, and the Ordinary People won the Best Picture Oscar. and um, The Best Picture Oscar. And um, the albums that were you know huge were Ghost in the Machine by The Police, uh, Computer World by Kraftwerk, Phil Collins's face va- face value, um, Human League's Dare, and the best uh, ABBA album, The Visitors. Well, we will obviously be looking at uh, Arrival is ABBA's best no, album. Absolutely incorrect. <laughs> do you remember any of that? Do you, do you have any of those albums? No. Which one was uh, uh, working as a waitress in a cocktail bar? On? That, was that Dare? That uh, they weren't. They were not my cup of tea. Too much eyeshadow for me. <laughs> <laughs> We're obviously concentrating on uh, more domestic matters yeah. uh, from the year. And before we get to uh, the bands that have actually made uh, our shortlist, a couple of, I suppose, notable absentees, so to speak, uh, bands like Boontown Rats, The Undertones, uh, even Thin Lizzy, 
have yeah. not made uh, the final cut in terms of what we'll be discussing today. Uh, all of those albums as well, I think. The Boomtown Rats, uh, was it Oingo Bongo? Mondo Bongo. Mo- Mondo Bongo. <laughs> that was the, you, you like that album, right? I like that if you can get past Bob Geldof's dodgy vocals. Like, the music's really good. But right, okay. And they have a bass player called Peeper Head, so that's pretty cool. Yeah, who produced the frames is for a uh, second album, Fiscaraldo, mm. believe it or not. No There's a little bit of information. Is for that you. his actual name, though? Or is that like no, I think that's name? a handle. That's, <laughs> right. yeah. that's a pretty good one, though. It is. The Aces are all about handles. For sure. <laughs> they? I think yeah. he might have won the lotto as well. Another, no uh, that could be totally made up, but right. it was a saw doctor I'm thinking of. Right. That's good <laughs> yeah. enough. Still, yeah, right? one, one of those guys. <laughs> well, um, and... They were also, I think it was the fifth or sixth album, like, you know, it was the 11th album by Tin Lizzy, right. uh, Renegade. And I think a lot of people said it was pretty stodgy. And I think uh, there was a, kind of some drugs going on. Yeah. I, I, I think the general consensus, yeah, is that it is one of their drug-addled moments. There's a bang of smack off it, all right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and the, uh, the other thing about it is it's one of those albums that there isn't many uh, songs on the best of, you know, yeah. from it, you know. No, so. there's no hits on it, really. I saw I saw a, um, a live version when I was listening. Uh, I, I was kind of flicking through um, uh, the live versions of the tracks, and one of them was called um, "Modern Boys." Um, I think it was "Modern Boys." Shit, I might be wrong with that, but it's a really, really tired, sweaty-looking, you know, fellow on stage, and he goes, "How are you getting on?" And he goes, "And he goes, uh, are you ready for a bit more?" You know, <laughs> he looked like he wasn't actually ready for a bit Even more. Even jaded, <laughs> he yeah, for a lie down, you know. So <laughs> I think that might have been uh, kind of spread out through the album. So they didn't make it. 1981 must have been a tough, tough year. I'm glad I missed it. <laughs> <laughs> so we might as well get stuck into the albums that have actually made our shortlist, which are in no particular order. Uh, Moving Hearts self-titled debut album. You Too and October, Stiff Little Fingers and Go For It, and Paul Brady's Hard Station. And starting from the top, this is Moving Hearts. No time for love if they come in the morning. No time to show tears or for fears in the morning. No time for goodbye and no time to ask why. And the sound of the sirens, the cry of the They went crazy, wrote letters at night The limits of pain they endured The loneliness got them instead Yeah, kind of a super group before super groups existed, I suppose Yeah, yeah, I suppose formed out of the ashes of Planksty um, Which is a name I couldn't pronounce until recently Planksty I can what did you What did you used to call Plank City. Plank City. <laughs> <laughs> I've been slagged about that, but we won't, we won't get into it. It's just, just from reading it all the time yeah. and never actually kind of talking about it. But anyway, Moving Hearts, yeah, so, um, yeah, super, super group. Uh, Christy Moore, Donald Lunny, Declan Sinnott, Davy Spillane on Illum Pipes. Uh, kind of, yeah, they went on to be, um, you know, a huge amount of the Irish kind of trad and, I suppose... Um, this is a Celtic rock album, which is kind of embarrassing to, uh, title, but they're all part of that scene, whether it's Moving Hearts or Planksty or Planksty or uh, any other band that came around that time. They were kind of um, huge parts of huge parts of it. Um, it's it's a kind of a polit- it's very political throughout. There's you know a lot of trad in it. Obviously, there's a bit of rock. The the the, the setup was quite rock based. Drums, guitars, obviously added to it. Inland pipes and all that kind of stuff. There's a bit of jazz in there as well. You know, young jazz, which is, you know, <laughs> I don't know if it's the kind of thing that uh, works al- all the time. It was always the steer, the, the, that little yeah. major, there was one or two many major seven chords in it for yeah, me. And the tracking that always threw me. Sax at times as well. Yeah, sexual harassment. <laughs> yeah, but there's some really, really good stuff on it. Um, uh, a couple of really good instrumentals, McBride's and Lake of Shadows. Um, there's some slightly cheesy stuff like Hiroshima, Nagasaki, Russian roulette, which is about how you know nuclear war is bad. Um, but then there's a couple of absolutely brilliant songs. There's No Time for Love and Irish Ways and Irish Laws, which are kind of from the 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 show don't tell kind of kind of lyric writing where they describe a scene and let you kind of you know it, it kind of paint the scene and you kind of see what you see in it. But yeah, I think it's actually one of the few albums from this list anyway for me. Well, of the long list, anyway. It isn't really that dated. It's kind of, I mean, it is obviously from you know that time. And uh, Christy Moore's vocals are kind of Christy Moore light. They aren't the kind of slightly caricature-y kind of way that he yeah. ended up mm-hmm. being. They're much more kind of, 
calm and delivered. But I have to say, I think it's a really good album overall. It's very easy to listen to. Um, there's a Jackson Brown cover before the deluge on it, and that's pr- one of the only songs. That's a pretty rock, pretty straightforward rock song, you know. I suppose, but it's a fairly straight cover of, yeah, of the original. Yeah, and yeah. deliver, but delivered by Christy Moore, which adds a bit to it. The song "Landlord" <coughs> is a very rock song, you know. But again, you know, with little, you know, leanings towards trad. But I thought, I think it's a really, really good album. Um, as I say, a little bit of cheesiness at times, but overall, yeah, I think it's pretty strong. I mean, you mentioned Christy Moore light. Um, well, which, do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. No, I absolutely understand what you mean, but I don't know. Am I alone in feeling that it was still slightly too Christy Moore for me? I mean, maybe it's just a product of growing up in this country and hearing his voice when you're kind of three years of age. Mm. But I can never connect with that when it's with a sort of a rock and jazz influenced sound yeah. like it is on this. I totally agree. I mean, for me. There's, you know, well, there's four stages of Christie, but if we kind of, <laughs> like, if we take the kind of, the current state out of it, there's the Planksty era, which for me is just raw and it's pure and it, it's, you know, electric. I, I found Moving Hearts to me was just a little bit like yacht trad, you know. It, it, <laughs> you know, and That's I kind of, I kind of got back into him, you know, before it got to the character character we was telling yeah, you listen, know listen Varna, you know how are you Paddy get up there mm-hmm. and all that you know that yeah. kind of stuff but like you know on that track um, uh, No Time For Love like it's so raw and I, I connect with every word I, I really yeah I really got it in a way that I don't always get with him yeah it's great record as, it's interesting as well looking through this list where you have like Stiff Little Fingers he will talk about in a while but like obviously a band from Belfast talked about The Undertones released an album you know band from Derry um, you've got you 2 on this list who on their next album would write Sunday Bloody Sunday and tunes like that. And Paul Brady obviously is yeah. yeah, yet this is surely the most overtly political record that we're actually going to be talking about. You know that thing when someone tells you um, tells you something about something and you you know like they say or like you know tells you about somebody like he you know he's a pain in the ass and every time you talk to him you're thinking this guy's a pain in the ass you can hear it even if he isn't being a pain in the ass it's there <laughs> but this is the kind of thing where I was like after one listen I was like is this a really kind of political record and I looked at one of the because I was looking at this on, on YouTube was the, was where the playlist was and one of the <laughs> I looked at the first comment and the first comment was just up the ra <laughs> and I was like okay so this is a Republican album then I started going back and then I was reading you know, Republican stuff into everything, you know, like McBride's. I was like, well, that, that Illum pipe sounds very, yeah. you know, there's a Republican feel of that. Where, in fact, it is, you know, it isn't always, uh, you know, as overt as that. There's a lot of stuff being covered, but I think that it is, yeah. I think I think in a way that maybe Stiff Little Fingers is kind of, I was surprised how little that kind of, you know, it, I didn't think that was very, we won't, we'll get onto that in a minute, but I didn't think that was very, you know, overtly about sure. the struggle. Whereas, yeah, they but covered way, all that ground already. I think probably. as well. Do you know what I mean? If they were, if they kept on singing, you know, suspect device and that, it would you know, yeah, would have got pretty old quick. In terms of breaking new ground as well, though, like Moving Hearts have, have always been sort of held up as being one of those bands that, you know, innovation mm-hmm. in terms of the music they were playing, the instruments they were using, and the combinations that they had. And I guess you can even see now with bands like The Gloaming being hailed as maybe like the next coming For sure. of that. Mm. The yeah. trad has always had super groups, I suppose, isn't it? But I mean, I'd I'd love to play as a multi instrumentalist. I'd love to play any instrument as well as Davy Spillane plays the pipes. pipes it's yeah. just you know, just a flow with those. I could listen to them all day. That's in your blood, you know that thing mm. of when we hear the pipes. It's like kind of when you know rabbits hear kind of cars <laughs> in the distance. It's that just gets the blood going. Absolutely, and uh, but I mean, Moving Hearts went on, and and Christy left the band after this. Um, I think Davy Spillane took over. Did he lead vocals? I'm not actually sure, but they went on and uh, the two albums after this was a completely uh, instrumental album called The Storm. Mm-hmm. And everywhere I looked for, for Moving Hearts, everyone was The Storm, The Storm reissue, The Storm live at, um, you know, Vicar Street or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, it was the DVD of The Storm. So I went and had a look at that and um, I actually recognised a lot of the songs on it. So it's interesting, they became an instrumental band later, which was, I suppose a more maybe a more faithful kind of trad you know there, there wasn't yeah. as much sax on it there wasn't much jazz on it a traditional trad a traditional <laughs> trad a <yeah>. more traditional <laughs> trad <laughs> yeah. exactly. of course the, the other funny thing about that record is that if if I remember correctly um, Declan Sinnott 
at the time said this is absolutely just like contract obligations we don't want to make this really record. yeah I was not hip to that the storm one yeah interesting apparently so we went on RTE and said like our hands are tied we kind of have to do this well, and what do you know far out yeah it's when I when I checked the personnel on the album, like a lot of them players, like Noel Eccles and I think Davy Splan as well, they end up playing on like the Riverdance album, and that's yeah. kind of my go-to album of trad is that Riverdance album. So I kind of compare everything to that. Sure. So I was kind of, you know, it yeah. felt like you said cheesy, a little bit cheesy. Well, that's at times another, that's me, another like. tidbit. Bill Whelan was actually involved in Moving Hearts for one week, no and then immediately left because of political differences. Wow. Right. No way. <laughs> yeah. But if you look, if you look at the the that line from Planksty. I'm saying that right. Um, you know, it's got Brady, it's got Moore, it's got obviously all those people. And then later on, it, it, you know, it, it keeps intertwining whenever there's a big kind of thing. I bet you if you look at the gloaming now, you're going to see, you know, trails all the way back to Planksy, all the way back mm. through Moving Hearts, all the way back probably through Riverdance. Mm. And I suppose if you're... <laughs> Three uh, degrees of Planksy. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Four degrees of Christie. But, uh, <laughs> you know, before um, the Christie from the Moore Lagoon kind of uh, took over, this is, a, I think this is... If you were a fan of of, of Planksty, I think you would you would find a lot in this, you know. Mm-hmm. And I I do think it's it is hard, you know. It's like you know, it's like pesto. Once you put pesto in something, it just tastes like pesto. So <laughs> once you put trad into some into trad rock, it sounds like trad, yeah, you know. Sure. So uh, you, you kind of can't get away from that, and, and just even the way Christy sings on this is just brings it back to trad. But I do mm. think like there's a really good feel all through the album and I don't think it ever gets too lost or, or too far away from that feel so that's why that's why it's my album that I, I'm recommending yeah I mean it can't be very easy for guys who are bringing different ideas to the table to gel in that way because definitely there, there's no part of this that feels jarring that feels like there's too many it, it is it is very cohesive thing yeah well if that album left a legacy uh, what of our next one uh, for young rap scallions from Dublin whatever happened to you second album October what do we make of this one well as an album I mean it's 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 clearly not U2's best record by any means but what why the album is dear to me and it was something that I didn't get into probably till like my early 20s having you know Octum Baby was my where I got on the U2 train that was my first stop when I was whatever 16 and it was only when I kind of really kind of got into them that I started to go back to Joshua Tree I never kind of got like Surprisingly enough, I mean, I play kind of folky, deserty uh, rock music, and it was just something I didn't uh, appeal to. It was more when the sunglasses and you know Eno and Lamb was production and that, but it, it made me go back and like really delve into you two, like in my kind of early twenties, particularly when I started getting into sound and record production and you know just the echo unit as as a thing, and right. the edge pretty much like paved the yellow brick road of the echo machine in, in my mind but as an album like i just think it's burning ambition is what sets it aside i mean the songs not that that laid the blueprints for um you know riffs that they 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 kept snipping like there's there's songs like we, they take three seconds of of a riff and later that you know becomes i will follow and are not are, uh, the electrico and all that and by the time the band have gotten to red rocks and they bring some of these songs alive like glory and all of that it is just a different thing the band are on fire they're they're a stadium rock band where they were kids when they went into the studio in windmill lane um it's it just for for me it just sets the whole blueprint i mean Songs like the, the title track October, like this it's first first time we hear piano on any U2 record. I know it is only their second one. But, I mean, that for me lays a blueprint for the unforgettable fire. And that, that icy ambience is the only way I can describe it. And this before Eno's even touched the band. And, you know, they already have this amazing way of creating soundscapes. And they're only doing it as a four-piece Still technically a punk band, you know. I just think yeah, it's, they're like there's signs of a power trio still here, really, isn't it? Absolutely, you know. And and even from if you take take the power trio away and you know look at what Bono's saying, I mean, he's trying to make a 
you know, it's their second record and they decide they're going to do a concept album on their Shalom Fellowship Christianity. So, like, their second album, you know, so what's your second album going to be like? Uh, it's a concept album on God. I mean, think of the ambition with that and mm-hmm. how cocky he was back back then. And, you know, there was all sorts of stuff going on with the band in, in between that. Uh, Adam and Larry weren't that into the, 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 the God thing as much. Larry more so, but the band were could have broken up you know, um, because of the, the rock and roll lifestyle and that. But yeah, I mean, song-wise, they definitely had a lot to go. But it, it's what what they made on that record just basically paved the way for what was to come. I find myself agreeing almost entirely. Do you know what it reminded me of? You know, on shows like The Late Late or Graham Norton, and they have some famous guest on, and it's like, you know, oh, but the first time you were in front of a crowd, take a look at this. Yeah, yeah. And it's an old video of, like, you know, Rory McIlroy, yeah. eight years old, going like, when I grow up, I <laughs> want to be the best guy <laughs> in the world. And, and like, like, you laugh because, like, A, they're kind of barely recognisable, but there's still a little hint of what it is. And B, obviously, it's freakishly pr- prescient. And C... <laughs> you're kind of like, oh, well, presumably that's the sort of drive that ended with the result that you got. Yeah. That's what it feels like listening to parts of this album for me. When you hear Bono, kind of like there's one lyric where he's like, you know, I can't change the world, but I can change the world in me, rejoice. And you're like, God, that's, that is your script for the next 35 years, mate, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, he was even, with with that song, he was, I remember reading an interview on him about that and he was saying like, even like saying the word rejoice was sketchy for like, a punk rock band from Dublin to be like flying a Jesus flag. Yeah. It was really brave, and that's what they were into at the time. Do you know what I mean? This is before the, you, you know they Bono became McDonald's. Doing that. Sorry, you think it was Bono doing that. Like yeah, pushing that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, for sure. But I mean, it, it's you know, it's kind of weird though. I mean, I think like as you say, what it sounds, like, it kind of sounds to me like it's all the bits of you two before they figured out yeah. what they were doing. You know, it's like it's like a really good U two cover band doing a load of YouTube B-sides, you know? Mm, right. Like, it's it's nearly there. The sounds kind of sound almost right, but it just doesn't... You know, there's no Sunday Bloody Sunday or anything yet. There isn't a, There isn't even an, uh, even an I Will Follow, uh, even though uh, With a Shout is a very, very, like, I Will Follow. But, you know, it's it's not... It's not. Uh, it just sounds like they're trying to, to find their voices. And in Bono's case, I think, actually, he, like... Bono's got an amazing voice later in his career, but right now he's still doing the very high, yeah. it hadn't revealed chirpy, it. Ch- mm. shouty thing. And I don't think it suited him as well as what he found later on. You know what I mean? For sure. His voice hadn't revealed itself really yeah. at that yeah. stage. But I mean, I think there are moments, like even on Glory, when, he, when you know, they're out, their coda is, you know, singing in Latin again, another kind of curveball. But he, he was getting this tenor thing that you know, isn't there on the first album, you know, so... Yeah, yeah. they're kind of like drum fills and intros that mm. you recognise, like, oh, this is going to totally, come later, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, totally. And, and you can hear as well, Larry still has that Artane Boys band yeah, thing. Shuffle. still yeah. so prevalent in you know, on that mm. kind of militant sort of snare thing. And I think that's kind of what got them to... Um, the stadium rock thing. And even, like, you listen to the eight, like, you know, that kind of dun-dun-dun-dun-dun bass... For me, like that's uh, when they do that on I Fall Down, that is the first time, you know, we hear that Kings of Leon kind of cold play when the chorus kicks in. Mm. You know, they were already write, writing these lines, and which kind of was the blueprint for, you know, Stadium Rock, which we, the people, producers are still ripping off now, you know? Yeah. It's missing, though. It's like, it's missing songs. a couple yeah. of songs. It's, not, it's totally missing you know what songs. I mean? Like, yeah. uh, I, I, I didn't see this myself, but I read it somewhere that. Um, uh, someone said there was I I was looking at various you know know, reviews or whatever and one of them said every single song in this album is two and a half stars out of five so it's amazingly consistent but it's it's just not good enough you know I kind of get that you know like the spiritual thing is across the whole thing you know the the same kind of style, you know, apart from the you know the the very Irishy tomorrow that song tomorrow which is very which is unusual for you too, actually. You that's know? there's Illing pipes. That's your man, um, your man from, from Into, Into Anui. Anui, Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was a weird. One. But then again, you know, later on he did this thing with Clannad, and there's a there's a bang of that, you know, in a there lifetime a of, of it. Yeah, uh-huh. but that song October for me, as you said, it stands when that comes in. It just sounds like it's from another world, you know. Yeah. Just like it stands head and shoulders, like feel wise to everything else, and it's like 
oh okay you can hear where they're going you know yeah and um you two tend to have a thing where they need a couple of albums in between big albums you know so they had they had boy and everyone agreed the boy was a success yeah. and they laid the blueprint and they had october and they were trying to you know where are we going here then they had war and everyone went yay war you, you nailed it there again and then there was a bit of questioning things about unforgettable fire and it was nearly there and then you know it was um uh, Joshua, Joshua Tree. Tree and everyone's like yeah Joshua Tree you nailed it and then then it was oh Matlin Home oh, come on how are we doing <laughs> yeah. and then it was Acting Baby and everyone's like yeah you know and yeah. then it was a pop but you know what I mean like so they kind of they do this thing where they readjust and they reinvent a little bit and figure out where they're going and it generally leads to something good you know mm. especially you know and then when they get to the 2000s they have one big success at the start with all that you can't leave behind and then they have a couple of albums of trying to figure things out again you know yeah. so like uh, this feels like one of those figure things out kind of where are we go next. Sort sure. Of. Well, I mean, I mean, I suppose it was also their literal set, difficult second <laughs> album. So you know, I don't want to turn to Andy having just released his debut work. Um, but can, do you kind of pick up some yeah. of those sounds? You can, you can hear that like it's sort of half U two. It's like diet U two. It's like they're almost kind of becoming U two, and like yeah. there's like you can hear the edge. Like he was he, down he, the line. Like yeah. And the drums are like Larry Mullen with the shuffle you're talking about. Yeah. It's all there. It's just not, there's no hits you can kind of sink your teeth it into. You know? And it hasn't glued together. Yeah. Yet in saying that, if a band came into me tomorrow morning in the studio in, in 2017 and played all those songs with that pep and piss, God forgive my language, but like I, I would sign them straight away. I would, you know, I would sell a few guitars and... and, and Help them out because like, yeah. I know you just know. Yeah, this that's true. Is something. Yeah, yeah it, magic. It, it, it should be said as well. Yeah, we're kind of judge like when we're saying yeah. they're not quite you two yet. Yeah, yeah. you know but they're, they're, that's a little bit. They're of twenty a, twenty one at that. Yeah. Aren't they at that age? Yeah. I don't think you can. You, 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 you know. we can't. We can't look at it as if we never listened to any other U two album. Mm. And like the reality of it is, they had bigger, more successful albums, and you can like you can hear the how things were working out at that point mm -hmm. and you know I, like you know the the fact is it's it's I, it's, it's not a it's not a great album they don't no. play yeah. a lot of the songs live they don't you know how many of these songs are on their first best of you know yeah. was it one was it just the October song I think you know I think there's a reason for that and mm. I think you can't it's a good you know one of those things where you say it's a good document of where the band were you yeah know, whatever. good effort lads mm. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh Another brilliant song in it is Fire and just the rhythm in that song. Like it's just excellent. Like, you know. Apparently he lost his all his lyrics for this album just before yeah, he did it. That was that. a big story. Um and he had to kind of make some stuff up on the spot and he was, you know, pacing around the there was a little story, Steve Lillywhite was like getting taken on because he was pacing around trying to figure out what the next line was. And so what he was doing is he was just singing what came into his head and he said the lyrics for the song Tomorrow just came out of nowhere. The lyrics for the song Fire just came out of nowhere. But he said he looks back and he sees that those songs are about his upbringing and you know, the, prophet, about the his prophecy of, of songwriting yeah yeah it was about his you know about his mom or whatever you know uh, who passed away when he was very young you know so that's actually you know it is interesting because you two are not a band that often leave a lot of experimentation for the to hear it's generally generally it's you know um, it's what they think is the best thing and they work very hard and it's very polished especially later albums um, so it's kind of interesting to hear them working things out as they go. So yeah, there's mistakes all over the record. Like there's there's bum notes on the bass. Mm. Um, there's actually a bum note on fire on, on the on the bass. But I mean, I think it it was done. They recorded in windmill, and that story, the Steve Lillywhite. I mean, he's screaming on. You're you're paying fifty pounds an hour for this studio, and you come in and you don't even have your lyrics written. <laughs> and uh, you know, I I think it, they they weren't new to. They didn't have the budget. You know, it was, I mean, I know my, my this, this is what I meant to say, my band when I was twenty twenty one were absolutely terrible. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So I think as a bunch of 19, 20-year-olds, 21-year-olds, they were pretty yeah. on well, fire. Well, you too, I think they've proven to be fairly outside the mean, you know, like, you know, it's pretty... I mean, I'd love to hear, like, them to go back and just use the tools of a fort, like, that thing where it's not, like, racks and racks of mm. delay, that they mm -hmm. actually just brought it down to that rawness with their, their songwriting chops so much better. I think that'd be amazing. Yeah. Yeah, I think it'll be interesting as well to see Bono do it because I guess it's the one stick that he's very often beaten with is that, you know, like he's too earnest and people, I guess, see it as being, you know, an effect that he puts on. Mm. Whereas this, like this is earnest, but it sounds really genuine and really pure as well that, you know, that this really was just 20-year-old Bono 
kind of trying to trying to balance his rock and roll dream and, with you know staying close to Jesus and dealing with his man, you know, coming coming of age and kind of learning to deal with that. From a second album to a third album, and our third album, the Stiff Little Fingers. If you didn't care, and there are no words to say just what it is you mean. But if you feel it's real, it's real, it's real. And as for all our rest, they think are in our mess. I say that they know best, but you know better. Yeah, so for the third record, Stiff Little Fingers apparently decided that they were going to write 10 out-and-out singles, 10 songs that would be radio-friendly, and put them together in an album that was apparently kind of inspired by looking at how Frank Sinatra used to work back in the day, which is probably not exactly how your average Belfast punk band goes about business. But on this, it's largely successful because there's an energy and an enthusiasm that I think is obvious now, and I can only assume was just as obvious 36 minutes ago. I mean, there's very little wasted movement in that regard because, I mean, like, I think there's two or three songs that go above four minutes. A couple of them don't even reach the three-minute mark. It really is kind of bish-bash-bosh stuff. And there's classic punk sound in here, but there's also, I guess, what you'd call post-punk, even the kind of modish thing. Like, there's a reek of the jam here Big at stages. Time. The jam and the clash. Yeah. Yeah, oh, absolutely. They're power punk. They're, for me, they were the... SLF were the like the start of, of power punk, you yeah, know, and, and I mean, Green Day, and it even opens with like a cover of a Bunny Whaler song. It's like all these reggae influences that, that they're Bunny taking Whaler? in. I, did, yeah. I didn't know that. Um, now, as 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 Jake said himself, leading he said like if he played it to Bunny Whaler, he wouldn't recognise that he wrote it. But but it was originally his song somewhere deep inside mm. that. Um, but yeah, I mean, they certainly go kind of all killer no filler on this one. Does it work? Um, you looked at me there, and I went, "Shit, I don't know." <laughs> I think it does. I think I think it's I think it's great. As I said, the jam and the clash are really kind of. It's surprising because I knew a lot of the early songs, Turn of Ulster, and all that kind of stuff. And for whatever reason, I had dismissed uh, Stiff Little Fingers as being, you know, shouty photocopied album sleeve punk band, you know, right. from the north, angry and whatever. Else. And to be fair, it's not like the not scene was short of them at the time yeah. either. Mm-hmm. I, it's an easy assumption to make. It's and it, okay. it, it, honestly, it's not at all. I think it's much more polished. It's much more. I mean, I hope I don't get a, a brick through the window, but uh, it's a it's a lot more pop than I thought it was going to mm-hmm. be. You know, it's and it's it's you know it's very upbeat. Like they had a big huge fight with the undertones for years because the undertones said that they were hyping um, the Northern Irish uh, kind of situation for their own gain, and you know, Stiff Little Fingers said the undertones were playing it down. But like I don't hear, I don't hear a lot of hype about from this album. Obviously, you know they did, they definitely did it earlier. But this album seems just a lot more like I don't know. It's kind of upbeat and looking at the bright side of things. That there is obviously, you know, hits and misses is about domestic abuse. You know, you can obviously hear, uh, you know, in some of the other lyrics, you know, questioning, you know, the north and all that kind of stuff in like in overt ways. But the lyrics are reasonably simple. It's very catchy. You know, there's a bit of Elvis Costello even in the vocals. Um, I I think I think it really works in a way I didn't expect. So yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I, yeah I'm a fan. I mean, I think it's definitely, you know, it, it's compared to the. I, I mean, it's their first album that I really know, but I only kind of kind of glanced over over for this mm-hmm. to listen to it to refresh myself with it. But they are pop. They are pop songs. Um, in in my mind, and they're you know they're good pop mm-hmm. songs. Maybe. It, they, I think they maybe got a little too good by their third album, or it just feels a little bit slick in places. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Um, whereas, like the the brashness of of the earlier two records, uh, you know, I would definitely be more drawn to. But I mean, it's it's a good record, and they're not singing about you know the the, the troubles as much. I mean, they do address it a little bit, but that's good. I mean, they 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 two albums have covered all of that ground. They're obviously trying to grow as as artists, and you know, one of the things that really struck me about the record was just how strong it was in terms of its rhythm section that it felt like it could allow guitars and vocals or even an instrumental flourish to do whatever it wanted mm. just because the drums and bass were really the, the building block for everything else mm. I totally um, that, yeah, yeah I, it was one of them albums it was the one that I probably liked, liked the least of them all I think I don't know it's just I don't know it was the type of album I would have liked maybe 10 years ago when I was into that kind of punk stuff 
but I think where I'm at now is just I don't know. I it's hard to get dial that guy back in. I yeah. know. I mean, I was like crazy into punk kind of in my four, fourteen to kind of early twenties, but it was very. I found it really difficult. You know, even listening to the undertones and the Rats yeah. album. Same here. You know, I found it really hard to identify with mm. that guy again. Mm. Yeah. Maybe it's you know I'm a dad rocker now, <laughs> and it's just you know turn off that noise. Yeah. Well, at least but part of it is. I, I didn't feel st- sorry. Sorry. No, no. Come. I didn't feel the stiff little fingers had, had that at all in terms of the noisy stuff yeah I mean the one thing I suppose is that when they had set out to write 10 radio singles it's, it's maybe tying your hands in terms of how much you can slow down or take it easy or whatever doesn't it for sure mm. and to go out and to say I'm going to write 10 kind of commercial radio singles from a band that were like you know explosive and like I mean the first time you you, you, you know turn on Suspect Vice or Alternative Vulture you're just Im- immediately grabbed this just lacks a little bit of bite and edge of those, those early two records for me. Yeah. Well, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not really aware. Uh, well, apart from the singles from the early stuff, so I was kind of coming to this pretty, pretty clean, and I, and I was really surprised to hear the kind of there's the, the bit of reggae stuff. But there's a song called "The Only One," and it's my favorite song on the album. And um, it's got like it's got this. It's got a real proper skank, like a proper reggae skank. And I was like, this is it was excellent. It was really easy to, to kind of like just kind of enjoy, you know, and. I don't know. It's funny. I don't know. Uh, like on of this list, there's a lot of bands who are trying to mix things with other things. If you know what I mean. Like mm-hmm. you got Paul Brady, who's going for the kind of folk and trad and rock. You know, mm-hmm. you've obviously got Moving Hearts who are doing something similar. You two, you two are trying to move away maybe from the punk and go towards, I don't know, something a bit more open, some more rock. And you can hear that in this album as well. But I think this is nearly the one that does it best, sort of, because I can't hear. The, the angry crazy punk of whatever of you know alternative Ulster and how much shoutier that kind of song is to to this this is like a, a I don't know about you know Stiff Little Fingers fans but I wonder like you know back in the day when they released this were people like going God you, you know you've, the, you've let go of mm. is this a sellout album well, so to speak no but I, I wonder would the fans have come to the gaze and gone Jesus this is this isn't the like you know throw my beer I in the definitely game. think there was a bit of that going on with you know some of the diehard punks just thought it, it sounded like they were they were trying to you know make it I remember reading something about that that right. a lot of their diehard fans just thought that, that this is kind of soft and right. sell out and too slick and right. overproduced but I can't imagine like any U2 fans I'm sure you know U2 fans would have loved it because you know their direction was probably more the direction they were going was more like you know Rock, I suppose, like yeah, song punk. So like you know, people, you know, people only barely notice the difference, but they know that it's you know maybe they like the melodies more or whatever, you know. Uh, whereas Moving Hearts would have been kind of new for everyone, you know, in that kind of world, I suppose. Right. Um, but like this, I can imagine people kind of getting a bit pissed off, maybe if it was so different. But I think the album works, uh, and uh, yeah, so uh, yeah, so I mean, that mm. is the one thing as well, though, as far as the album working, because in terms of a cohesive thread throughout it. I mean, okay, the fact that they're a little bit calmer and paying attention to pop melodies, Mm -hmm. that might be one. But it definitely doesn't have that sort of thematic thing that that some of their earlier releases would have had. And I guess that an awful lot of punk releases at the time would have. Yeah, well, I think it's that thing of you can't... Well, I I know Green Day are up there in their 50s doing it, but, you know... I don't think any band could like really sustain themselves Can't doing stay that. Angry that stay long. angry, you know. It's you know, it's it's just much easier to to love. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, no, I mean, it's it, it was obviously a, the the natural progression for them to to go. I mean, it's not. It's it's. We're not talking about going from punk rock into you know meatloaf bur- bur- <laughs> uh, rock <laughs> anthems you know I mean it's still it's, but it's, it's power punk pop you know I guess is what I would I but, would. I, but I, like some of the stuff like there's a song in it called Piccadilly Circus and it's the last song yeah. in the original album and I was just like it's a very strange song because it's about a guy who left his you know went over to London and he got sounds like he got happy slapped you know and he yeah. was like some lad you know I got to know hit him on the back of the head and the, the lyrics are like you know I was really upset and I flew home to Belfast <laughs> and I was thinking like you know it just seems like it just seems kind of a bit sort of mundane or something you know yeah. mm. and it's just like weird to like Whereas, were they struggling for stuff to write about or did they feel like that their their tank was empty as regards writing about 
you know what was going on in the north or maybe it's just maybe it was just like you can only write so many yeah you can only write so many songs that I, way I think so and and you know you were saying that there is a lot of the jam on that but we we also had like what's the jam song uh, Underground at Midnight where he gets I can't remember the, the, the proper name but there is that song where he gets a kick in yeah. and you know picks his teeth up and walks home and it's I, I think it's a little derivative I don't know I'd love to f- know which chronologically oh, uh, yeah. uh so, but as well, Bruce Foxen played in Stiff Little Fingers for 15 years, the former uh, jam uh, bassist, jam player, which I yeah. was like, oh, I didn't know that, <laughs> you know. Yeah. So there you go. So maybe he was drawn to the uh, the jam-like uh, music that was being produced around this time. Yeah, there's definitely uh, lines of parallel to be drawn. Um, our last album on this list is a man who uh, a little later would make no secret of the fact that he was looking to make it, as we said. Uh, this, though, a little bit earlier on, and uh, probably benefits from it too. It's Paul Brady and Heart Station. solo album from Paul Brady and basically as I understand it the first that he wrote was sort of a contemporary songwriter uh, Trad was the background this was obviously a move into something fairly significantly different mm, yeah from what I from what I read it was his first album he did on his own that wasn't with Andy Irvine I think and uh, yeah I loved it I thought it was really good especially from the, f- the very first song Crazy Dreams it's like yeah. an instant classic like I don't know how that wasn't a, I've read that it wasn't a hit outside of Ireland at the time but um Years later, I think it, it so, kind of re-released, and he was on Jules Holland and stuff, so it did well after. But um, at the time, I think it was just a hit in Ireland. And yeah, it, it was really covered. It. I think a load of Ameri- you know, those kind of American country mm-hmm. guys <laughs> that's been covered loads. I think, right. and you know, bands. I like Lone Star have done a couple of his songs, right. and yeah, but, it's, uh, it's great. Yeah, it doesn't surprise me massively because there's a huge like American influence on mm. this album. They sound like road anthems, some of them. Yeah, I, I noticed like uh, kind of links towards like the band and Mark Knopfler and stuff like that and I checked the dates on it and the last waltz was 78 right? and Sultan's a Swing was 78 as well so I wondered did that kind of influence Paul a, when he was writing it there's a huge amount of Mark Knopfler even yeah their best their, their best of pals are they Mark and Paul okay yeah. well that yeah you can hear lots of them saying that. That. I don't think they'll camp together or anything, yeah, yeah. but, like they're, but they're, they know they're, each they're pretty tight so, yeah yeah, no, I, I thought it was great. Like, there's a lot of... I mean, maybe one song, I can't remember now, I think it's like the fifth or sixth one, where it's like a synth... <laughs> um, with a synth uh, thing on it, and that kind of turned me a little bit, but the rest of it's great. Like, the Busted Loose is great. I keep going back to Crazy Dreams every time I put it on. It's just... Heart Station. Heart Station is great, is great, too. I think that song's about... Well, I could be wrong, but it seems like it's about, uh, you know, the struggles of the 80s and you know nobody having any money and that kind of and thing. the life as an artist and I think you know the, where the album came from Hard Station the title album I mean this is a man who's like broke his butt with planks do you, move, you mm. know all all these different acts and trying to pitch songs he was always one of those guys that was cute enough to be trying to pitch in songs to Nashville it's about the struggle as an artist and right. I think him going from being a trad player essentially yeah. where he was like I know Brady, and he's he's like he's a tough son bitch. Right. He really is like, and he still, you know, would just as easily scrap you as right. as as hug you, you know, which right. is great, yeah. I, I, you know. But I think that that album was very much about you know him having done all this stuff and the frustration with the industry mm-hmm. and with trying to raise a family, you know, and. Yeah. But he's like a fu- he's a funny character in the way that like he was in that band the Johnsons now. Yeah. I, I don't know enormously about about them, but he said he hated every minute of it, and he was just you know doing backing vocals and whacking the guitar, and he hated you know he yeah. left, and then he joined Planksy kind of as I suppose Christy Moore's replacement sort of at the end of the first period of Planksy or whatever. So like it's almost like if anyone talks about the classic Planksy, they kind of. They kind of talk about the Christy, Christy Moore yeah. version, so he kind of didn't necessarily hit that. And I know that 
I, I know from what I've read, he, he feels that he hasn't got the recognition that he's deserved. So yeah. it's kind of a life of frustration for, mm. for Paul, you know, like there is that frustration that does yeah. sometimes come from his, not so much maybe from his music, but just from him as a person that, you know, because I know that, as you said, loads of people have um, like he's got a lot of respect as a songwriter and stuff yeah. like that. Mm. But Tina I don't know. Turner's th- covered. Uh, I think she did something off Heart Station. Oh, wow. And I think, you know, when that it was that album that kind of set him up, I right. think. Well, there's there's a track on the last track, Nothing But The Same Old Story, and it's a different thing. Like, I wouldn't really consider Paul Brady to be very cutting-edge. I, I consider him to be reasonably... Like, a, he's a balladeer, he's a songwriter, yeah. you know. And classic he, songwriter. Classic songwriter, absolutely. Yeah. But I wouldn't ever say, you know... Uh, there wouldn't be a lot of edge to him, you know. No. In, from from what I see, but that song, nothing but the same old story. Like I think it's uh, like there's a lot of edge in that, and it's something I really w- like. I really wanted then to hear because his brand of it, I think, would be really interesting. And the second last song, uh, Night Hunting Time, but really interesting song. Really, yeah, yeah. Not, really, I mean, not, like there's a groove there that yeah, you know, absolutely. Um, I think for me, like when you look at 1981, like. I, I, for me, it's a real dark patch of record production. You know, like I'd agree. It, it just doesn't date well. And Heart Station is an album that got amazing songs, but it is really let down by it's really embraced a technology at the time and the reverbs and everything was just so quintessentially eighty, mm. like early eighties. Mm. And it it just hasn't it hasn't matured well in my mind. The songs always stand up, but. I always and, and Brady, like God forgive me if you're tuned in, Paul. <laughs> uh, he still carries this slightly cheesy '80s thing around with him. Still, do mm. you know what I mean? And I've I've had the the lucky unlucky pleasure of rec- producing Paul on a couple of different occasions. Like when I say produce, nobody produces him. Like yeah. I literally point at the microphones and like after a couple of times, I was I was getting confident that I could make a suggestion, but. Um, he he's he's very much hung up on that sound from 1981, like mm-hmm. that Whitney Houston sounding Fender Rhodes. Yeah, you know mm-hmm. he'd have a real Fender Rhodes there, but he'd go, "No, no, check out this," you know. Yeah. It's, you know, it's just sounds like little yeah kittens. But it's like Paul. Oh, like it's like that thing we were talking about. Christy Moore always bringing a bit of trad to it. I think everything that Paul Brady does. He brings a bit of that kind of soft rock with him, you know. Yeah. And while there's really, really good instrumentation and, and the rhythms in this are really good, I think mm. um, throughout. And the lyrics, are, you know, they're more interesting than I probably would have given him credit for. So no, I think for sure, yeah. And I, I think they're, they're, as you said, like there's a little bit of bite every now and then. But the murderer's line in uh, nothing but the same old story. I was like, okay, yeah, yeah. go for it. Go oh for no, it. he he goes there with, lyrically. He he can always go in, into dark places, you know. Um, because I mean, I like he he made no secret that kind of certainly in the nineties when he was writing things. I guess that was around the time of the island and and stuff like that. That he really felt that that was going to be his time to sort of catapult to international stardom, so to speak. Mm. Um, whereas this album, I guess a little bit more personal, a little bit more raw, a little bit more honest. It, for me, lyrically at least, it definitely benefited from that. Absolutely. You know, and, and as, as we said, it's just such a departure from where he'd come from, and it's like that thing of a boxer going for a title fight when yeah. you you do an album that almost like the the stiff little fingers one where you're, you know are you selling out? Are, are we? You know, is this the wrong move to go? It's you know, it's brave. I read a review of it, and uh, from the time I found one, and uh, he was like, while Mister Brady, you know, <laughs> you know, is doing great stuff here the anti-English sentiment throughout this album is unlikely to propel him into the top 40, you know? <laughs> so, I mean, I think maybe there was a certain amount of being brave about, you know, going and playing the UK and singing songs about how he was treated yeah. in London. Like, so mm. it's got to be, you know, it's got to be kind of recognised and, and uh, I, think, sure. I think that's really a really cool thing. I, I do think a lot of songs are kind of long. I think the production isn't great. Yeah. And while his lyrics can be great, his lyrics can also be a bit too... Pally or something like Crazy Dreams like while it's a really good song as you said I I also think it's a little bit I don't want to say cheesy because that's not fair but matinee movie for Saturday afternoon yeah it's a little bit matinee yeah. movie for Saturday afternoon you know it's a bit little I bit hear you no it's 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 all there and it was one thing from having tried to work with Paul is to try you know to take that out of him and it's he just he doesn't compromise, you know. He's, yeah. he's very much that is his vision, and hmm. this is what this is what I do, man. Yeah, yeah. And I, I guess, that's and that's fair enough. 
but and that, that's, that's totally especially going to be pronounced on the first album that he's written on his own, right? Mm. Yeah, no, it's it's yeah, it's like he's kind of one of a kind, Paul Brady vocally. Yeah. Like you can't compare him to anybody. Really, touches a Bob Dylan in there, but I can imagine him being tricky to work wow, with. Maybe whoa, a little whoa, bit. whoa, whoa, whoa! Back yeah, up there, yeah, little Bob Paul Dylan. Brady and Bob yeah. Dylan. Do you know the way he does this vocal thing every now and again, where he goes there? Uh, Exactly where to go, you know that oh, kind of thing. Oh yeah, yeah. He does that, that every, thing. Yeah, he does yeah. this little thing every now and again. It's like nobody knows. You know yeah. that song. He does a little bit of that where it touches a Bob Dylan, yeah. and Paul Simon a little bit. Anyway. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, but and I, I, I hadn't noticed that till you. <laughs> yeah. Um, his vocal though, particularly on, on on that record, it's it's all just for me. It's too much. Belt. And like we were listening to it over over pizza last night and. Myself and the missus going, oh, God, Paul, will you just, you know, yeah, do one tilt. verse where you kind of, yeah. you know, it's just, you know, yeah. try a little tenderness. Yeah. He's kicking down the he door. He can do it, though, as well. Big you time. Know, but I, mean, yeah, I know what you mean. I, yeah, big time. Well, it's interesting that you think, like, do you think this is, is a, do you think that this is the album he was going for, the kind of going for it, like, in the way that maybe if you were trying to be a bigger band or whatever, you might try write more openly or you might try and think about how the masses would hear. You know what I mean? Do you think that's in this album? Um, maybe in Crazy Dreams. I don't know. Yeah. When you turn it on first, that first song is such a kind of a pop. It's instantaneous. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So maybe with that tune, I don't know. I don't know about the rest of it, but Crazy Dreams is definitely kind of pop classic kind of... I mean, I think there is still a lot of character writing on it, like Night Hunting and all of that. And yeah. You know, he he is. I mean, while there is personal, I think there is a, a lot of him writing in the narrative of characters that he's created in a Tom Waits kind of way, but not yeah. the way Tom Waits would do it. He does. No. Paul tends to do the the Saturday movie matinee version, you know, of Tom Waits. But yeah, like I mean, so like there's a there's a line in one of the songs. It's like my my I think it's my brother Carl from Boston. He's gonna pay my way. And he's got, you know, he's doing great over there and he's got two cars in the driveway or something like that. And I remember, like, thinking... That is great. That is I, I really like that. Yeah, it you know, amazing. I, I, but I think, like, that song, I was like, why have I not... Like, I've never heard that song before. And I would consider myself someone who would know kind of the Irish canon, if you know what I mean, uh, of songs or whatever. You know, I've heard them, whether through the radio or whatever. And I didn't never knew. And I was thinking, this is the kind of stuff that I think that I'd love, you know, to hear more of from him. That style of stuff... It just seems again that show, not don't tell thing. You know yeah. that, that way of writing where you paint the picture and the person comes in with you. Like as I say, the Moving Hearts did quite well. You know, instead of that, whereas Crazy Dreams is maybe a bit more like telling you how they are, and you know, yeah. these, you know, you won't live someone else's life. You know, which is like, I don't know. It's not 1981, so I don't know whether I've never heard that before or whatever. But I feel like I've heard it now. You know. Yeah. 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 Um, I I think. There is just a, a feeling that on this record, I would say unburdened was, was the word that jumped to my mind. And maybe, I suppose, with your producer's hat on, does that make sense as well in terms of, you know, just kind of throwing the kitchen sink at it in many ways? Is there an editorial hand that might have been useful here to kind of pull it back every now Definitely. And I think it, it it is a little bit, you know, the train comes from the station and it just goes like... Same thing, bang, bang, song, song. And the songs do go on too long and mm. there should have been some arra- arrangements snipped, you know. There, there definitely should have been layers, I think, pulled back. And like what for me, and, and Paul does the vulnerable thing when he when he actually does do the show and tell and, and lets you in. That is when, like, you know, like the island and, you know, nobody knows why Elvis mm. through it all. Yeah. Like that sort of, like yeah. it's just... He, when he does the poetic thing and, and is open like that, that, that to me is the is great Paul Brady. When it's all layers and it's you know he's trying to do the Saturday Night Record, that's when he he can sort of lose me. Yeah. Sometimes. At this point, it's time to see if we bestow the highest honor <laughs> upon Annie. We obviously have a bunch of records um, that fall into our silver and bronze category. A couple of them mentioned earlier, so Boomtown Rats and Mongo Bongo. Uh, the undertones, the undertones. Yeah, yeah. I think it's a bronze, bronze for me. Yeah. Um, so me too. Bronze. Mm. Too much vibrato on the vocal. <laughs> Way too much vibrato. Never get over that. And Tin Lizzy Renegade. But uh, yeah, what of these records in front of us right here? Kieran, you start. Okay. Well, for me, um, 
It isn't a classic U2 album for me. Uh, I like this Stiff Little Fingers album more than I thought I would, mm. but I don't know if it's a if it's a, a gold record, if you know what I mean. Um, the Paul Brady album has elements of it that I think are absolutely brilliant, but I'm not. I'm just not there with it for some of the other parts. Um, so for me, I think the album that I would recommend for people to revisit from this is the Moving Hearts album. Not oh, not because it's the greatest album I ever heard, but I, I didn't know it. And I think that there might be something here that a lot of people would connect with. So, um, And also, you know, if you're looking for an Irish trad record that has Republican leanings, you know, <laughs> stay away from, you know, the Wolf Tones and, and move towards uh, Moving Hearts. But anyway, I'm going to say Moving Hearts. Andy? I'm going to say Hard Station just because of probably because of Crazy Dreams of that tune I've just been binging on that for days now since I heard it um, yeah that's the one that connects with me the most I, I would probably connect with Hard Station too the most um, I, I, I don't think out of the bunch we have any gold albums no. um, I think we've got some solid bronzes all there that, like even I think Paul's album is the only one I'd give a silver yeah, to me too personally Right. I I must say, I, I think they, they, they all have merit, so to speak. But it's interesting that, you know, we're kind of hearing them and thinking, well, what, what would, you know, kind of Paul's past and indeed future have, you know, as an influence on this record? Same with Stiff Little Fingers, that they kind of got a lot of things out of their system. And then you too, you're talking, you know, what the band was going to uh, become. Um, On that basis, I would probably have Moving Hearts as my one to recommend, simply because it's maybe the album that stands out on its own the most. I'm not sure that you necessarily have to sort of delve into their three albums after or their solo careers and everything else to enjoy it for what it is. Okay, well, I mean, from looking where we are, nothing has been really, like, you know, recommended gold. So, so are we happy to leave them all as silver? And uh, we'll leave them all this, this, those albums as silver and have, you know, our four bronzes in Tin Lizzy, um, Undertones and Boontown Rats. Mm-hmm. Sure, yeah, I, I agree with that. Let's go with that. Full of diplomacy this evening, Kieran. <laughs> Good man yourself. Yeah. Thanks very much, yeah. All right, well, that brings us to the end of our look back at 1981. Thank you enjoyed? very much to multi-instrumentalist Colin O'Regan. <laughs> <laughs> I learned both guitar nice. and piano till the age of 12, folks. <laughs> counts. Still counts. It does indeed. <laughs> yes, thank you to uh, our actually talented guests, Andy Lloyd, nice Gavin Glass, and of course, Kieran McGuinness. Thank you as always for joining us. Thanks for having us. Thanks we'll be back with the revisit in a couple of weeks' time. In the meantime, of course, no encore drops again this Monday. But until we talk to you again to play us out, some moving hearts, I say. I say we go with some moving hearts. Talk to you again soon. Take care. Apartheid, internment, conscription, partition and silence It's a law that they make to keep you and to be where they think we belong They hide behind steel and bulletproof glass machine guns and spies And they tell us who suffered the tear gas and torture, the tear and the wrong no time for love if they come in the morning No time to show tears or for fears in the morning No time for goodbye and no time to ask why And the sound of the sirens, the cry of the morning They suffered the torture, they rotted in cells They went crazy, wrote letters and died The limits of pain they endured the loneliness got them instead The courts gave them justice as justice is given by well-mannered folks Sometimes they fought for the will to survive or times they just wish they were dead No time for love if they come in the morning No time to show tears and for fears in the morning No time for goodbye and no time to ask why 
HPN, the Headstuff Podcast Network. See headstuff.org for more details. The been thinking about McDonald's all day. Can't get it off my mind. I can already taste it. Ooh, got my mind on my mouth and my mouth ready for some Mickey D's deal. There's a deal for every moment at McDonald's. Right now, get two of your favorites for just $3.50. Mix and match a classic McChicken, a hot and spicy McChicken, or a juicy McDouble. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. Single item at regular price. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 